So I want to begin with a question, which, as you will see, is, in my opinion, the entire goal of the High Holidays. So hold on, because I'm going to ask something big. Some might call it a big ask. I know what you're thinking. It's not Kol Nidre appeal time. So you're right, it's not, and we'll get to that next week. But here's the pitch. Why are we here tonight? I'm sure each of you has a different reason, some of which I enumerated in the Who We Are's. Coming from very different places and different backgrounds, we each have our reasons. Perhaps maybe I should frame the question more narrowly and more precisely. Why should we be here tonight? Or at the very least, what is the intention of our tradition in bringing us together during these Yamim Noraim? Growing up as I did in an Orthodox family, just a quick anecdote off the page, I invited somebody from my apartment uh, building to come to services, and they're Israeli. And when I told her there was going to be musical instruments, she, she looked at me with an, a raised eyebrow, and I said, no, don't worry, I was once Orthodox. <laughs> and as I left the apartment and went downstairs, I could hear her going back to her phone call with someone in Israel, and she said, it's a rabbi, reform reform rabbi. I said, no, no, I was Orthodox. As if to make it legitimate. So, <laughs> so I know a thing or two about serious shul business. But I didn't go to shul when I was a kid to meet God. No, no, I didn't go to meet God. I could have a conversation with God anywhere. And indeed I did. I went to shul probably more often than not, nine out of ten times, to meet Yitzi and Mark and Scott. To name just a few of my friends. In the years before Facebook, communities were the locus of friending and news feeds and announcements that were altogether vital for, the, for living forward. In truth, we don't come to shul to meet God and we shouldn't be coming necessarily to meet friends. The reason we come back year after year is to meet someone we very rarely get to meet during the year, and that's ourselves. Unless you think that that is quaint, I know that each and every one of you knew the answer there because, like me, there have been knocks on my inner door many, many times during this past year that I have conveniently thought I didn't hear. Oh, no one's at the door. We are all masters of hiding and novices at seeking. Hiding has always been our instinctive way of reacting to the unforgiving and relentless voice of conscience. Higher calling, some call it God. It's right there in the beginning of the Torah. Shortly after the mythical Adam and Eve taste from the forbidden fruit, they hear the sound of God in the garden and in their terror they hide themselves from before God, and God calls out with that question, 
that has echoed through every generation and in every heart. Ayeka, where are you? Of course, God knows where Adam is, but needs to engage Adam in the process of finding himself. This question is, as all hard questions are, designed to penetrate our defenses, to catch us off guard and disclose where our hideouts are. It is to awaken a person to where she is, really, and foster within her the desire to get out. This is the question we try to ignore, the question that makes us hide deeply within ourselves. And yet we ultimately know that everything now depends on whether we are willing to answer that question. Adam, to his credit, answers. He responds honestly. He says, I heard you coming and I realized I was naked, which scared me, and so I hid. I was naked and therefore I was afraid, so I hid. This question appears to each and every one of us in the guise of that membership to the gym that we've used once since last year. It appears in our lists of to-do items that are dating back five years ago, and more powerfully, it is found in the eyes of our loved ones as they wait for another day for us to keep good on our promise for that date night that keeps being pushed off. It's in the eyes of our children who say, Abba, why is it more important for you to go speak in shul tonight than to tell me a story? Why is it more important for you to work so hard than to work at loving us so much more? With that first question, God threw down the gauntlet, so to speak. And from that moment on, our tradition has been a tradition of unceasing questions. If someone asks you what's the most important day of the year, I'm sure you'll have your list. You'll say, well, it's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Kippur maybe, maybe it's Shabbat every week, maybe even the Passover Seder. And if they say the Passover Seder, you say that Rabbi Ingber said, I agree. And if they say which part, don't tell them the chicken soup, <laughs> the gefilte fish. Tell them that it's the moment where the youngest child in the family stands up and says, Manishtana, what makes this night different from all other nights? That our educational underpinnings, from that moment on through the Talmud and the arguments in yeshiva that rival Tibetan Buddhist arguments, back and forth, back and forth, on the same Talmudic page, Rashi and his grandchildren disagreeing across the text over centuries, asking questions, raising uncertainties, and unsettling our facile places of complacency. So don't ask me where I am says Adam in each of us. I don't really want to tell you because I'm hiding. These questions that unsettle and undo us are revolutionary and radical rascals, slippery critters that seep into unseen and unacknowledged assumptions, overturning and capsizing ships of false certainty. 
leaving us clinging to small twigs of order in an ocean of chaos. In other words, they're a good thing. And they invite each of us to be seekers. To be seekers. Our tradition is not a tradition that is comfortable with religious certainty. A religious individual in a particular worldview that struggles with all manner of doubt and assaults from within and without to her faith is not the embodiment of our tradition. Answers are certainly important. In fact, the word in Hebrew for the entire process of this period is called teshuvah, which means literally to, to return. Everybody says return, but you know what it means in, in Hebrew? La teshuvah, Eli. What does it mean? To give an answer. To give an answer. To give an answer. We are in the process of finding answers to questions. But questions are vitally important. They are so important that the rabbis framed this entire period in the future. That one day we will arrive not at this Yom Hadin, not at this day of judgment, but at an ultimate day of judgment. And the way that they imagine it is that we will arrive in court. And in court there will be a prosecutor. And here's the Talmud's beautiful, fanciful, interesting, creative rendering of what it will look like for each of us to walk into that place. Amar Rava, adam ladin omimlo, nasata v'natata be'emuna, kavata itim Torah, asakda be'pirya v'rivya, tzipita li'yishu'a pilpalta be'chokmah, Rava said, in the hour that they will take us in to judgment, we will be asked, were you honest in business? Did you set aside time for wisdom and learning? Were you involved in creating a more fruitful and productive world? Did you envision and yearn and anticipate redemption? Were you involved in discerning wisdom and did you arrive at a deep understanding? We will return to some of these questions tomorrow and on Tuesday. But for now, I want to leave you with a charge, homework, if you will. Each and every one of us has questions that when we ask them, unlock places in us that are yearning to be exposed to the fresh air of compassion. Each and every one of us has a question that when we hear that question, we have a chiropractic adjustment on our soul. That question, that question aligns us with our purpose. It brings us out of being asleep. It awakens us to the passion and to the excitement of what we're here to do. Heschel said that each of us is an answer to a question that we have forgotten. And our lives, our lives, our lives, our responsibility and our power 
If you're here again tonight, trust me, you made it through another Rosh Hashanah. And on that Rosh Hashanah, you thought certain thoughts, and you made it to the other side. Well, you can do the same thing over the next 10 days. You have it within you to turn. Unless you think that this is difficult, I guarantee you that even as I'm speaking now, you're formulating a question for yourself without any effort, no big caloric expenditure. And that tomorrow morning, I hope that you will share with me and with all of us some of the questions that you've been thinking about. Remembering our questions is what I would like to draw our attention to. And I'll leave you with maybe the most intense question that I have ever read in any Hasidic story. The story is told of a great tzaddik, a great righteous person, whose brother Elimelech of Luzhensk was a great Hasidic master. And he, Reb of Anipoli, was a quiet, unassuming master. And the story is told that one day he was walking along and began to cry and a child came over and said to him, Zushia, why are you crying? And Zushia said, I can't tell you. He said, no, tell me why you're crying. He said, okay, I'll tell you, but be gentle with me. He said, I had a vision. And it was the day after I had passed away. And I arrived in heaven for my heavenly tribunal, expecting all of the questions that we just discussed, all of Rava's list. And as they brought me in, I had all of my answers prepared, how I was honest in business, and how I would set aside time for wisdom. I devoted myself to waking up and living the life that I know is my life. I was practicing it. I had my crib sheets. I was going to get an A on that. Prosecution exam. And then they asked me this question Zusha, why weren't you Zusha? And Zusha said that that is my greatest fear. The greatest fear, he said, is that I will live my entire life, and when they will come to heaven, instead of asking me why I wasn't Moses, instead of asking me why I wasn't some other. Lofty figure, they'll ask me the simple question, Ingber. Ingber, why wouldn't you Ingber? And when they ask me that, I'll have no response. So I beg each and every one of you, in the spirit of the joyful reflection of this period, in the light-hearted, unbearable lightness of Rosh Hashanah, I invite each and every one of you, when you leave tonight and you sit around the table and make a shechianu and make a blessing over having been brought to this place, to dip into that place within you that knows your questions and bring them tomorrow and throughout the next 10 days. And together, together, we can answer Ayaka.